My name is Will Hannigan, and my definition of relentless is one goal and getting up every time you get knocked down and you just keep pursuing that goal. Welcome to the Relentless Podcast, folks. And on this episode, we are thrilled to have a young comedian named Will Hannigan. Will's going to talk to us about grinding it out as a stand-up, the pressures that come along with that job, including addiction, and how he's had to work hard to overcome that. It is very exciting to have Will Hannigan here, stand-up comedian from Edmonton, Alberta, on the Relentless Podcast. Will, welcome. Thank you for having me here in this place. Yeah, this is a place. <laughs> this, is, this is for your first podcast. You really went all out. Yeah, we're not playing here. Like we're this is what we do, right? We're we're high tech. We're uh, high budget, is what I like. Yeah, to say. this looks like uh, like a low rent UFC show, kind of. Yeah, that's right. We you, went with an edgy look. The uh, the fence and it's yeah, it's just cool because yeah. I'm edgy. Yeah, will like you you're know like me a little the Dana bit. White of you can uh, with the bald head you're, maybe yeah, yeah. And Dana I'm, beige yeah Dana red faced <laughs> unfit um, diabetic you know like I'm I've got it all going for yeah. me just not as much money as Dana White but you'll get there regardless it's so good to have you here uh, we're gonna talk all things relentless in regards to being a stand up comedian and your journey and what that looks like. So that being said, this is about you. Let's mm. get to know you a little bit. Will, I, th- I want to say, is it okay if I say your age? Is yeah, okay? I, I want to say you're tw- 27. That's right. So let's go back to, 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 to little Willie. Little Billy. <laughs> is Billy, is that what they call <laughs> That's him? That's what my, a couple of my friends call me, little, but I think they're making fun of me. Yeah, little Billy. I won't make fun of you at all. Okay. Um, I probably will, but so... Tell us about little Billy when he was like, you know, whatever, 10 years old. What, where were you living? What were you like as a kid? 10 years old, I was living in Beaumont, Alberta, mm. and then we moved a lot. Uh, so every like three, I guess not a lot, but three, every three-ish years we'd move. So we moved uh, from Beaumont to a place like an acreage. So I was by myself a lot and uh, I'm the middle child. So I got interrupted a lot and... Uh, yeah, I was going to school in Sherwood Park, uh, what was I, in a junior high, and yeah, that's when I first met, like, a bunch of my friends. I was in a French class, and uh, I didn't really get along with the French kids that well, because I moved schools so much, that, and I was in French, so when you're in French, usually uh, kids start in, like, the first grade in French, and then they just keep going together in the same class through every school every you know elementary middle school high school they all go together so they all know each other really well so it's kind of hard to like jump in and fit in so I wound up making friends with a lot of like the kids in the English classes which were you know no good they're bad boys but they were a lot of fun so that's and and that little French pack of wolves weren't very welcoming to you no typical French oh look how easy (laughs) my last name's Dubay you have to be careful with that. I'm, I'm yeah, but technically, no. I'm not French at all. <laughs> so you're in junior high. Yeah. You're looking, you're trying to fit in. Yeah. You're trying to, just like most junior high kids are yeah. for the most oh, part. Yeah. You end up hooking up with some guys that were maybe a little bit of, uh, I don't know what you want. You're not, hooligans? Is that Hooligans what? is hooligans? a good way to put okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So continue. Uh, so yeah, I was like skateboarding a lot at that time. And then that's when I started like you know, cutting class and like, you know, goofing off and I was smart enough. I still like passed everything or whatever, but, uh, that's, uh, I think that's when I started like joking around. Like I was never the funniest guy. There was, I was always around really funny guys. And, uh, I love that. I loved watching like someone make a joke in class, like being the class clown and, uh, getting the whole room to laugh or like the few times that I did get a whole room to laugh. I was like, Oh, this is the best. But it was mostly me just getting like beat up by kids, uh, older than me. And that's how you got laughs. Like people thought that was funny. Yeah. I used to do this thing, uh, with this kid who was in the older, it was in the ninth grade. I was in the eighth grade. Uh, and he would like slam me into lockers every time he saw me. And he was like, he was doing it at first to be mean, but then I didn't know how to like, he was so much bigger than me that I didn't know how to get out of it because I didn't like the feeling of being you know bullied so then I just went with it so every time I saw him I would run at him and then he would throw me into the lockers and then it became like we kind of became friends through it because every time we saw each other he would like launch me into lockers and we broke like a whole line well I guess I I broke a whole line of lockers and uh yeah, that's so essentially you giving into his bullying sparked a relationship 
Yeah. That's fantastic. And it <laughs> Pretty turned, much. turned into a shtick. Yeah. It's yeah. like learning how to survive in, in that like environment is like you, you have to, you have to, especially with like boys and stuff, like if they detect weakness, they just don't stop, right. you know, and right. they just won't stop and won't stop. And like, I was thankful. I was raised by parents who were like, I wouldn't say pro violence, but they were like, <laughs> they, they, they didn't, they didn't care, you know, like they, yeah. they cared about me, but that if I got in a fight, they would just be like, yeah, that's what you do. If someone said something, then yeah, you punch them in the face. Late, I found out later that that's not, you know, you shouldn't do that. That but your mom used to be a boxer and like, that's why, like, she's just super tough, right? She is pretty tough lady. Yeah. She's a very tough lady. I wonder if she's fist fought anyone that I can guarantee remember. she has. She's definitely fist fought people. Like if yeah. she's like, just go punch a kid in the face, she has for sure fist fought somebody. Oh yeah. 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 She, yes. yeah, she's, she is, a, she is a tough lady. So you're in junior high. You're starting to realize you like to be funny. You yeah. like to hear funny things. Now you're going into high school. Like when did you start? Yeah. Well, we talk about high school, but when did, when did you start to realize, Oh, this stand-up comedy thing is funny. Like, wh- what were you watching? Like, what were you interested uh, in? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so my my mom used to watch SNL every single Saturday, mm. and we watched it together, and she would laugh so hard. And the sketches would bomb with the rest of the family, but she would laugh and then hit us and make fun of us for not laughing. And then I used to love making my mom laugh. Like, it was just, like, my favorite thing to do. And she's a pretty easy laugh, so yeah. it wasn't that hard. And uh, so that kind of, like, sparked that. And then there's just something about... Uh, we never had cable growing up. So when I ever go to my aunt's house, I go to the Comedy Central channel and they used to show a lot of stand up there and right. like, or CTV or CBC or something would show like comedy nows and stuff. So a lot of guys that I work with that I open for, or like <coughs> go on the road with now, I grew up watching, which was like a crazy, it was so crazy. It was so cool to just like work with these guys that, uh, you know, I'd seen on TV before, even if it's just like Canadian television, it meant a lot. Sure. To me. uh, but there's something about one person just on stage, not doing a lot they're just talking i don't know why but it's so enamoring like and ever since i was like a little kid i just loved watching that i watched uh louis ck uh my mom let, would let me watch comedy so you're 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 watching, watching comedy TV, yeah. you're you're so who are some of the acts that you saw that you ended up doing stand-up with like going on the road with them or, or opening for them or uh andrew gross okay. uh sean lacomber yeah. um lars calio yeah. Um, and those are some local guys from Edmonton. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it was, it was wild, uh, just to like be in the same car with them. So how old were you? So now you're in high school. You're yeah. probably being a bit of a funny guy still. You're hanging out with other funny people. Uh, what are you thinking in your head? Are you thinking when well, I want to be older, I want to be a police officer. I want to be a firefighter. No, I want to be a stand-up comedian. Or were you thinking I want to be an actor? Do you want like, where does this come from? I've often wondered with stand-up comedians, you know, you hear the stories of, of Dave Chappelle or Eddie Murphy being like yeah. 15, 16 in the clubs. And, you know, I think when, when Delirious came out with Eddie Murphy, I want to say he was 20 or 21 yeah, years old. Yeah, Like insane, yeah. right? Yeah. So where, where does that come into play for you? I mean, I never like took, like I took drama in the 11th grade and I was always too scared to do everything. And uh, I had like a lot of fear going because I, I got into fights and I got uh, kicked out of a school and I had to change to a different school and Will Hannigan you sound like you were a bit of a badass I was a bad kid ba- okay. maybe it's just different. a bad kid because it wasn't it wasn't cool I thought it might have been cool I was like smoking cigarettes and you know fucking around and just um, I was just miserable I, I just like felt very like unfulfilled and, and like mm. I knew I was uh, could do I thought I was going to be a lawyer that's what I thought just generally I didn't really have like a big because I couldn't do math so I that was kind of like that scrapped any sort of like high paying job uh in that end and i'm like i can talk shit so i can be a lawyer i can make money doing that so that's kind of what i had in the back of my head i uh, always thought i might want to be a writer or something like that i loved reading mm. um, but i didn't really put much uh stock in anything or or any options but i loved stand up and that's so it didn't really come as like a oh i you know i would watch it and think uh, like yeah i'd like to do that but i it was so far low on a list of things that I thought of when I was watching it. I just loved the philosophy of stand-up. I loved, like, Patrice O'Neill, like, just hearing stuff that didn't, that, like, when when a comedian says something and it's like they're the originator of the thought, 
you know they they say a combination of words in a way that uh creates a thought that you've never had or could have so they they give you something and they put it in your head and it's like oh my god like i i could have never got to that conclusion on my own and a lot of that is like you know now being in stand-up i learned that that's a lot of that's a magic trick like sure. there's there's bar tricks definitely to it um but that's what i i loved about it was this sort of like just completely original uh ideas and uh and then when i went to university I would, you know, I'd always try to be funny at parties and that's, that, that was like my thing. And, and like the more, once I left that group of like buddies in junior high, like I just, I was the funny guy. That's what I wanted. I, I was the funny guy. I'm, I'm trying to be funny. I'm trying to, um, I wasn't like a goofy guy. I'm, I've never been like a goofy, silly dude. Um, but just like, you know, a pessimist sort of like, I don't know, melancholic type of kind of dry, a little dark. Yeah. Like yeah, that. Just yeah. like, you know, I liked, I liked making some people laugh by upsetting other people. So that <laughs> sure. always brought me joy is yeah. like, if I, as long as I could upset these people and someone was laughing at it, then whatever I did <laughs> or said yeah. would be okay because yeah. it made these people laugh. And, uh, so I went to university. I made some, what, what were we taking sorry. in university? I was taking political science because I was science. like, that's the only kind of method that I can go to do. Cause my, mom said there was no option for me not to do post-secondary i had to go to post-secondary so uh which was like very nice of her uh even though she was very forceful about it um so i was gonna do law i was gonna do four years of political science and then take the lsats and then do law and like in the back of my head i was like uh at some point in there i'm gonna try doing stand-up right because of the lack of math ability yeah you realize you, you, you didn't realize lawyer stand-up comedian you didn't get the difference between the paycheck no no not at all okay, it makes sense i did okay. <laughs> i did it i didn't at all uh like I, I just didn't when you're young you don't really like think about stuff like that you no, get like, like a thousand food yeah. stuff like that you get like a thousand dollars you quit a job because yeah. you're like i have money now this well, is i got a thousand dollars right now i might quit my job well that's sad state if i can find a thousand dollars i'm keeping it yeah and i'm not paying you that for being on here so you're in college yeah you're taking political sciences. Yep. You're thinking, I don't want to be a lawyer, and no. but let's try some stand-up. When was the first stand-up gig you ever did? How I, old were you? I was 18. Uh, yeah, I think I, I would have been 18. And uh, I knew I wanted to do it. I had been, Yuck Yucks on their website, they say, send a video of you doing stand-up. And if you want to try to get on one of the shows and I didn't know what that meant. I thought that that meant like what I did was record myself in my dorm room talking. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. What they meant is send a clip of you doing stand up at an open mic and then send it in. Right. And, uh, yeah, thankfully I never sent that video. Uh, cause I, I kept, I, I couldn't do it. I was, it was difficult. So then I found, um, there was a student union thing. They were like raising money for like a $40 defibrillator and uh, they were looking for student performers. So I asked to do stand up on that night and they said yes. And then I didn't have a plan. Like I didn't have anything written out until I said I would do it. And then it was like, oh, I really have to do this. And uh, my friends came to the Grawood at Dalhousie University and a guy went up uh, before me and did like 15 minutes of the most beautiful Spanish guitar you could ever hear and got like a standing ovation from like 18 people and then I went up and bombed like so hard like I was mumbling I'd never been on stage or talked really before like into a microphone and so it was terrifying but it was the first thing that I did that when I was done I it was there was no the only thing I was thinking of is the next time I was going to do it so it didn't matter how bad it was like that didn't have any effect on whether I wanted to do it or not and, and if you're it, and you were 18 yeah that's, I, that's huge confidence to me or or maybe. is it ignorance do you know what I mean like I, but when I hear that story I just think of so many people in my life me included for the most nah I like to talk in front of people, but I think it would be so hard, almost impossible mm -hmm. for somebody to go up there with some things that they've written down that they think is funny mm -hmm. and go up, bomb, and then go, okay, when do I get to do this again? 
Yeah. Like if that's to me, that's just incredible. It's I, I think it's just like a, a maybe a needs thing. Like I needed to do that, and it's not that I needed to do it once. It's like I needed to get good at it. I needed to be great because I had seen some comics live before, and it I would be shaking in my seat for them. I was terrified for them, hmm. and it was uh, like an uh, experience like I'd never had before. Like I'd never tried something or been interested in a hobby anywhere near it. So it it bothered me when people would say it was a hobby because it looks like a hobby when you're going out and trying, you know, you go out at night and you're working on it and stuff like that. But to go up and like the bomb, as I was bombing, the whole thing was just like, it didn't matter what happened then. The only thing that mattered is how do I do this again? And how do I get better at it? And that was like my first two and a half years was being so bad at it. But it's so, so let's talk about that. Yeah. So two and a half years. Yeah. So let's take you're about now about 20 to 21 years old. Yeah. You've been doing this, but this isn't a full-time gig for you. No, no, no. Because you're bad at it. It's so bad. So, so bad. So at what it. are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Like you gotta, yeah. have, you gotta have a day job or maybe yeah. in school or whatever, but you gotta pay, you gotta you need food, you need a roof over your head, you need all that. Yeah. And then you're still going out as much as you possibly can to tell Joe, you, you must be writing, you must be doing all that type of stuff to try to get this craft where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But what's that like? Like, that's gotta be a, that's gotta be a grind. Um, I don't know if you remember like what it's like being an, between 18 and 24 as like a young man is very chaotic mm-hmm. and like you're, you're still a kid. And so you're growing into the adult world. So I wasn't just learning stand up. I was learning how to exist in the adult world and doing a v- pretty poor job of it because my only priority was to do stand up. So then everything I, it, it, I put that before everything. And I, as maybe unhealthy as that is to me, that's the only way you can do it. Like that's the only way you can accomplish the things that you want to accomplish is setting the one directive and pursuing that and not paying attention to the other things. Because if you pay attention to the jobs you lose, if you pay attention to the family gatherings you miss or the friendships you lose, or if you pay attention to any of those things, you're taking your eyes off the priority which is to get good at something and then once you're good at it then you have to turn around and like ask for forgiveness and sure (laughs) sure and figure all that so essentially at the age of 21 22 you were you were a dad that was really neglecting his family Uh, because he worked too much yeah but what you're saying is this is when we talk about relentless yeah you had to be relentless to not give up on this you, yeah. you like the fo- you were just laser focused other jobs other people yeah. other things in some ways i don't want to say they didn't matter cuz people would matter but you were so focused on this that it didn't matter what you were just going to go for it yeah and, and that relentlessness and there's things that i you know i i regret that i wish i could have done differently but i i spent 2 years in halifax and during my second year there was a guy who mentored me or he would be very upset if I said that, that I, he mentored me because he never really gave me it. The only advice he actually gave me was to quit school, uh, keep my receipts and wear a condom. Those were the, <laughs> the three things that he had told me about comedy. Everything else, he was just, he just kind of showed. He was just funny. He was good. He would tell me stories and he would spend time with me. Um, and so I, I listened to him for the most part. It took me a while to, let's say, keep my receipts and do the other thing. But yeah. uh, I quit school. and Can you uh, wear a condom? I do now. Okay. okay. <laughs> I do okay. now. I do Thank now. You. Definitely should have yeah. many, many times. But uh, uh, maybe not that many times. Um, anyway, so I, I started working building decks with my cousin. And uh, that kept me in money to be able to because I, as soon as I would finish work, it would be seven to three or five or seven or nine. Sometimes like it would just work until the job was done. And then I would drive right from the site to whatever open mic there was, or if there was like a comedy show at the comic strip to watch, or I would, I would just go every single night was just, I would go to do comedy and whether that was like watching or, or doing or whatever you wait on a lineup for, so you get there and the show starts at nine 
you have to be there at 8.30 to do the draw. They pull names out of a hat, 10 names in the hat for three spots. If you're lucky enough to get pulled, um, then the show starts at 9. It actually starts at 9.15 or 9.30. And then you have to, the host goes up. And then so by the time you get on, it's like 10.30 on like a Tuesday. So there's four people there. They're all on VLTs and they're mad that you're on stage. Yeah. And then you either go to another show or you talk with comedians. You have a lot of fun, right? You sure. meet people that you think are funny. And, and you, people that are wanting the same thing you want. And if, yes, yes, sometimes. You meet, that's the friendships that you, it's, it's hard to explain. You just see someone else's work ethic. You see, because it's a very individual sport. So you go to all these places, you do all these things. And then after, you know, six months, who was doing the similar things who was keeping up to you or who was working harder than you and that's who you want to spend your time with and that's who you wind up becoming friends with and that's who wind up moving to the next level and getting paid to do comedy you know opening and hosting and you know stuff like that and then and then the people who work that keep that work ethic because there's a lot that keep working until they get paid and then they stop they stop working because they're like well i get paid now so why would I keep working? Yeah, the, the, the effort goes away. The effort goes away. So then it's like go, always going to the next level and the next level and pushing and pushing and pushing and working as hard as you can right now, not because it's like going to give you a reward even, you know, today, tomorrow, next month, next year, in five years, you're working that hard now, um, not even for the next 10 years. You're just working that hard. Just because you know you have to. And part of being relentless, because I'm going to bring it back to that yes. here and there, is uh, building momentum and continuing with that momentum, not being satisfied, yeah. knowing that there's still more in you, knowing that you can give more, it can be better, yeah. you can keep moving forward, celebrate the successes. Absolutely. But you have to keep that laser focus we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's very, it's like, I, I look at stand. it's therapeutic. People will talk about how it's therapy and that's, they don't go, it's free therapy. That's like a, just a hack joke you hear <laughs> all the time at open mics and it's garbage. And I hate that because it's therapeutic, but it doesn't fix anything. Mm. It's, it makes you, it can make you feel better, but it's, uh, yeah, I, once I, the, the, the three stay, the three steps off the stage of the comic strip, it's like, I, even if I have the best set that I've had up to this date on that stage, I'm feeling it as I walk off and then I take one step and I start thinking about what I did wrong. The second step, I start like really visualizing what I did wrong. And by the time I get to the third step, I'm already like not feeling good about what I just did, thinking about how I have to be better and putting that pressure on myself for, for the next time. And now in all of this, you're talking about pressure. Yes. You're talking about wanting to be better. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the ups and downs of the grind. You're traveling a lot. You're in vehicles. You're on the road a lot. Yeah. All over the place. You're playing good clubs. You're playing crappy clubs. You're playing bingo halls. You're playing wherever you can play. Yeah. Right. Um, there's got to be some partying going on. There's got to be some lifestyle choices to either keep you going yeah. uh, or that are just, it seems like fun. Can you talk about that part yeah. of it? Uh, I don't know if I'd say like, there's definitely a lot of times where I did party and it was fun. Um, but I, I should also mention at the time, my parents were splitting up. And so a lot of my drive was coming from me wanting to escape being a part of that at all. Um, they were both living in the same city at the time. My parents, I'd always kind of seen them as like very strong partners and them divorcing. I'm realizing now is what kind of started, um, me not want, it's not their divorce. It's me not wanting to be involved or to know about it or for it to be happening that started me knocking the dominoes over to eventually having like serious addiction issues because mm. the same concept I applied to stand up, 
I applied to like substances. So you get, usually you get a free drink at a show or you get, you know, two free drinks or someone else isn't drinking. So then you get another drink ticket. So you're kind of going and that's your form of payment for a long time. And then, so there's, you know, you can argue that, Oh, maybe that's the slippery slope into it. Um, but it goes from like, Oh, I'm too scared to ingest anything before I go up to, Oh, I feel a lot calmer after I have a beer to, I feel a lot calmer after I have three beers and a lot funnier. I feel a lot funnier. And I, you realize later you're not, you just feel better. Sure. It's a little looser. You're feeling like you can do this. Cause again, the booze is helping you, you know, be a little bit taller, a little bit stronger. Yeah. In your head, All the right? fear, the pressure of being on yeah. stage and the lights and the sounds and it's scary. And like people being aggressive or whatever, because I'm, I'm not an aggressive or confrontational person. So in the environments that I was in, uh, yeah, drinking helped that. Helped me be more confrontational. Helped me be meaner. I was very angry at the time. So then I could like really let that out and I would feel less, um, yeah, less re- reserved about taking my anger out on, you know, just strangers. I was, I was looking at you guys before I came up and I'm like, dude, there must be money in dirt because you guys look nice. Hey folks, do you like to laugh? Who doesn't like to laugh? The You Can Comedy Nights are a ton of fun. And do they ever make you laugh? Listen, our next You Can Comedy Nights happen in March 2023. If you want all the details on how you can support our incredible organization, You Can Use Services, go to our website for more details. That is at youcancomedy.ca and you can find out all about our shows, our comedians, who's coming in, and all the ways that you can come out and support us. We look forward to having you there, and uh, why don't you come and have some laughs supporting the serious work that we do at You Can Use Services. And now, back to the show. On a, on a uh, bit of a, well, not a side note, you talk about your parents getting divorced, but mm. how old were you when this was all happening? Like 18, 19, 20? 18, 19, yeah, 20. It's so interesting because a lot of people, when they think of divorce, they're like, oh man, it affects the kids, but automatically you think of little kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't think of young adult children right yeah. and i've met other people too where they're they're in their 40s and it just devastates them yeah. so i can this makes sense to me yeah right where this would affect your life and and in some ways but from what you're saying it sounds like you were trying to avoid it don't yeah. want to say you were in denial but maybe probably uh, some denial probably in denial of like anything that because the that was just the beginning of the unraveling and seeing, you know, cause I'm, you also like when you become an adult, you start seeing your parents as people, not just your parents, not right. these like infallible, indestructible sort of like pillars. Uh, you start seeing their flaws and stuff like that. And those really come out in divorces. They, you, they really show their, their flaws and like their, um, their bad sides and stuff. And, uh, and I, at the time I was also like, I'm an adult. I, so I was thinking the same thing. Divorces affect children. Um, they waited as long as they physically were able to until almost everybody was done high school and out of the house before they split up. So in, to me, I wouldn't let, I didn't give myself the space to feel any of that because I thought, why, uh, I'm not allowed. I'm an, I'm an adult. This shouldn't, this shouldn't affect me. Yeah, it shouldn't be painful. Yeah. But yet it was so painful. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it was. Yeah. Right? And it, it did help. It, I want to say it helped. It pushed you a little bit more on the drinking side because then you're forgetting about it. It's, you know, you're the drowning in your sorrows when you weren't even in some ways thinking that you had sorrows. Yeah. Because you're a funny guy. Yeah. You're it, a comedian. Supposed to, yeah, supposed to make light of everything. and and uh, And then the drinking just becomes like commonplace where I'm dri- I'm always going somewhere. And so I shouldn't be driving at all. If, if I've had one drink, I shouldn't be driving. And, but each show that I'm going to, I get a drink at, or I might have a drink before a show or whatever. And then, so for the years following that, uh, along with getting a little bit better at comedy and it being a little more fun. So once you start to scratch into like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of, figuring this out that's what you think at the time you have no you still suck you still suck so bad you have no idea how bad you suck but you are starting to get regular laughs and all this work that you put in is starting to pay off and so you kind of uh get complacent a little bit and uh and then start enjoying the bars that you're at and treating it like uh 
a party rather than a job. And so then do we go back to that work ethic piece where maybe the work ethic is a little less because you're enjoying a little bit of your success and, and then you're boozing it a bit and you're doing this. So the work ethic is starting to slip a bit because all those things combined, not great. Yeah, and you're losing focus. You, uh, they're starting to drag you away from the point. And, you know, the hopeless and difficult feelings that uh, come with, like, pursuing an art form, period, are enough to make you want to drink. Uh, and then you're also running away from something, which is what you're doing the art for. And now the art is this, this thing that's bringing you back to these bad feelings. And, and now, now you're just like pouring booze onto the whole thing to make it better. And it just gets worse and worse. And then I started doing drugs. I started doing cocaine and, uh, never, uh, never had enough money to do a lot of it. Uh, but I did it a lot, mm. if that makes sense. So I always did like a responsible amount, just like 40 times every night, you know? <laughs> so that's the Sounds very responsible. Yeah, well, yeah. very <laughs> responsible teasing a bit, but, uh, other people around you have it. And then it's like, and then it was just like a battle for a few years. Uh, cause I would drink to the point where I was too drunk to do anything. And then I'd, uh, I'd do drugs to sober up. Yeah. Bring it back up a bit. And then I would do like, uh, like make it through medium fine. And then, uh, just start drinking again. And so throughout all this though, I'm assuming because this took you till you were about what? 20, 23, 24, 20, 22 or 23, So, because listen, I, I know you because you're a really good comedian. Oh, thank you. And you've played some of our uh, the You Can Use Services Comedy Nights mm -hmm. fundraiser. If I can put a plug in there, you've done a couple of them for us now. Um, and I know that part of your act is talking about this, mm -hmm. right? So what happened that made you go, I can't do this anymore? Um, like the drinking? And yeah, like it, just you going, uh, if I continue down this path, I'll, I'll probably lose, like, especially with the comedy, like I'll lose this mm -hmm. thing that, that I've wanted for so long. I have to stop this. I have to change this behavior. I have to change this in my life, which is not an easy thing. Addiction, mm -hmm. as you know, hard. So what happened? Like, where was that it turning was, point? Um... I had someone in my life that meant more to me than drinking did. And I, I had, I lost my license. I had, Oh, you got, a, you got a DUI. I got a DUI. It affects and, hugely, right? But that wasn't rock bottom. Like no. my, my, literally my first thought after I got it, that when the morning when I, when I woke up, I felt bad, but my react, my general reaction to it was like, Oh sweet. I don't have to drive anymore. I can just get drunk. This is awesome. Like per like that's not good. I don't have to have this responsibility anymore. I don't have to feel guilty about waking up every morning, checking if my car's there and going, Oh man, I can't believe I drove last night. I don't have to do that anymore. So I was like, I, I just get to, I just get to drink now. And I, and then someone came into my life right after I got my DUI and somehow stayed with me through me drinking and partying and being broke and stupid. And, um, yeah, working and getting fired and yeah, not being able to do anything financially and all because you were still whole. working. Comedy was still a part-time thing for you. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I, but I'd be even making good money, like good money at standup is like 2,500 bucks a month is livable wage. Yeah. Yeah. You, and I could make that and work full time and right. I would still have no money. Mm -hmm. So I'd just be like, uh, drinking everything, snorting everything. And like, um, just wasting, wasting all my money. And so I was trying to push her out of my life. And because I knew at that point, it's so cyclical that you already know what's going to happen when you order the beer, you already know what's going to happen in 10, in five minutes, that's going to be gone. You're going to order a second one and a third it one, just become so and then you're going to text someone and yeah. then you're going to go to that person's house and then you're going to do whatever you're going to do there. Yeah. And then you're like, I, I just, it, it happened so many times that I, I was, I, I, and I felt like I had tried so many times to quit and 
Because I, I quit for like three weeks once. I was working at, uh, I shouldn't say the name of the company, but no, I was working that, at the yeah. tire shop, oh, a tire shop, a tire shop, just a tire shop. Yeah. And I got laid off. And I, and then that night I got laid off. I had a glass of wine with my sister and I hadn't drank for three weeks. And, uh, and then I was like, oh, I'm like, I can be a wine guy. I took three weeks off, have a glass of wine. I'm fine. And then the next day was just like 18 hours of like drinking and drugs and just being up till forever and spent all my money that I had made in that three weeks, like within like four days. So I knew that it was just going to keep cycling and cycling and cycling and cycling the same, 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 same. And, uh, that's why I wanted to push her away. And I just didn't have, a, I didn't do it well enough. I was too half hearted about it. And I was dancing around why I didn't want to be together anymore. Because to me, I, in my head, I was like, I'm just going to die drinking. That's, I'm just going to kill myself now it's like, just so sad at 22 years old it's it, yeah it's it's yeah i guess that is sad and thankfully she was just like what are you talking about like we're gonna be fine mm. don't we can just work on it if there's pro because i was vague i didn't tell her exactly and then did she not see the problem that you had she like, saw it she must have she, she was. told me about it but she never judged me for it and mm. never she told me that i should stop using drugs and that i could get hurt and there was times when i would like really uh uh yeah choose choose that over her and as she told me it hurt her but she never nagged me or anything like that she just kind of let me be who i was going to be and uh and when i realized that i i needed her out of my life in order to keep doing what i was doing because it was clear that that's what i was going to be doing even though i didn't want it um i knew i needed her out of my life and then when it that wasn't an option for her to be out of my life when I couldn't get her out of my life, that's when I knew I had to um, deal with it. So then I went to a meeting and this is kind of corny, but when I was walking to the meeting, I was late, which is like a top number thing for why I wouldn't do something. If I was like five minutes late, I'm like, I'm not going to go. Yeah. So I was late. The wind was against me. I went to the first church where I thought the AA meeting was, and it was actually four blocks down. And so that's like another hurdle that I shouldn't, uh, you know, typically wouldn't avoid. And then I, I made it into the meeting. And uh, after that, when I left the meeting, the wind was at my back. And that was the last time I, that was the first day I didn't have a drink until like now I haven't still haven't. Wow. So that's the, and how long ago was that? three and a half years coming up on three and a half years congratulations thank you um so yeah that's it was it was and you're, you're a bit of a rarity to be able to go cold turkey like that and yeah. i know you tried a couple times yeah but to go cold turkey like that so so what's part of your your recovery from alcoholism is like are you you know do you do the meetings are you involved with stuff like what do you do like is it just you have support around you what happens i have a weekly meeting uh with a sobriety group of comedians oh, which cool. has been so helpful yeah. it's not it's kind of aa style but we allow crosstalk and addressing it shares and it's very very casual but it, it helps um, because i go to meetings and i talk to people about how it's like i'm in bars all the time yeah and i was gonna ask you that that was gonna be my next thing is you're in bars and clubs you're surrounded by it mm -hmm. all the time but what i find interesting that you just said i had no idea you were in a group with with other comedians who go through that as well. And that to me would just be incredible conversation. It would be incredible support. There might be some phone calling, texting, all that type of stuff. Like that is very cool to me. Yeah. It's, it's really helpful. Um, because it's, uh, you know, without getting too narcissistic about it, it's a unique situation that we're in. And, uh, personally, I, when I first quit drinking, I didn't want to lose comedy at all. So I, wouldn't let myself miss any nights because I knew if I missed any nights, then it might be hard. I wanted to temper myself very quickly and get through these difficult sort of, um, you know, you're at a, you're at a bar hosting an open mic for three and a half, four hours and you have a $75 bar tab. And that was the, the night every week that I was like, I drank for free. I do shots with the bartender. I like, as comics are going on, I'm hitting the bathroom. I'm like, this yeah. is my big party night. It's not much of a party, but right. that's what I'm doing. And so I wanted to make sure I could do those without drinking. Um, the difficult part is the social situations when there's no comedy around. Because when I have something to do now, now I treat it like a job. Like I just show up. I'm like only focused on one thing. Um, 
But if I don't have something like that to focus on, I have a really hard time. I went to an engagement party with my girlfriend uh, a year and a bit ago, and everyone was playing drinking games, and I kept saying no, and I kept saying no. And uh, and then I was like, I, I need to go for just like a little walk. And I put my shoes on, and I just walked home. Like, I just I just walked home. Like, I really struggle in those situations. But, but, but that Still. awareness, that self-awareness is yeah. key. Good that you walked home, right? Yeah. And I, I wasn't and, planning on it. Right. Of course not. And so to me, you know, your journey here, your story, uh, I think it's, I really think it's amazing. And as you and I get to know each other a little bit better, we've just been getting to know each other lately, but mm-hmm. I've appreciated your vulnerability when talking about it. And again, when I think of relentless, relentless in the idea of being a stand-up comedian, and you made that happen. Mm-hmm. Then, re- that, but part of <laughs> part of that yeah. was it got a little messy, a little sloppy. Yeah, right. But then you've cleaned that up, and you've still stayed focused on the, to the point now where this is a full time gig for you. Yeah. You are a full time stand up comedian. Yeah. That to me, the, there's just so much relentlessness in there that you had to kind of bring together and. And now you got to relentlessly make sure that you might have to walk home from a party. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is hard to do. Yeah. And you still have to be laser focused. Let's talk a little bit about now. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about you as a stand-up comedian. Okay. Um, you know, what, what kind of comedian are you? Because there are different types, right? Yeah. And I don't know all the names for them. Um, like, I know that there's, like, punchline guys. Yeah. And there's storytelling guys. Yeah. Like, what, like what, you know, what kind of comedian are you? Um, I, I, I don't know. I love one-liner guys. Like, I love the setup punchline, yeah. like the, the Mitch Hedberg style yeah. or, like, the, you know, Anthony Jeselnik yeah. or, like, uh, Daniel Tosh is like yeah. that as yeah. well. Like, just this setup punch, 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 punch. I love that. I've always been envious of that. I've never been able to write jokes like that and then them sound true to myself. Um, and I, I like stories, but I... Honestly, I don't really like storytelling movies that much. I, I'm like, yeah, go to the fucking fringe and do a little play there. Sure. <laughs> um, I don't really like storytelling. Um, but I would say that I do tell stories. But I try to write the stories as um, each part has a joke that works on its own. So I can tell the first part of the story and then tell something. Just tell another joke about something else. So, uh, but essentially, I'll, I'll have a, you know... A, six minute bit and I can do one minute of it and it makes sense. I can do two minutes of it and it makes sense. I can do three minutes of it and it makes sense. So I'd say I'm like, um, like probably a blend of that, but I try to do honesty, like try to be as honest as mm-hmm. I can. Cause that guy in Halifax that mentored me, I told him a joke I wrote once and he gave, he made fun of me cause he was like, you're lying. Why would you li- like the truth is always funnier. Sure. So sure. And I actually, I like that. I think that's amazing because, because if you're going to tell some stories within your comedy act, like make it true. Now, obviously there's maybe a little bit exaggerated or a little bit, yeah, there, uh, which makes sense. But yeah. if the essence of that story is true, yeah, it's actually probably easier for you to tell it yeah. because it's true. Uh-huh. Right? It's yeah. easier to remember. Sometimes I have to take care. I have a story about like getting beat up uh, at the mall by a 19-year-old girl. And I had to take some, <laughs> to take some people out of that story to make it simpler to understand. Right. Right. Because there's so many care. And so, so when you're starting, when something like that, that happened to me like six years ago. And when I started writing about it, it's like there's all these elements. There's all these things going on. What's actually like the part what is yeah. what is the what's the funny part it's the funny which part. truthfully is i once got beat up at the mall by a 19 year old 100 that's they're done that's that's the funny <laughs> part and that's how it opens and then there's there's a little twist at the end yeah, but yeah. uh uh yeah so it's enough to be like and I, this is louis louis ck said like enough, you just have, have to have enough truth in it that you believe it so that when you're telling it you believe it because then other people believe it yeah and like this sounds bad but audiences i see them they're kind of like dogs I know this sounds bad. This will go well with your audience. <laughs> in terms of, they might not know what's wrong with you in your head right. or whatever happened to you before. They don't know what's wrong, but they will know something's wrong. Sure. So if you're not 
speaking directly or you're not if you're not sober if you're not being honest if you're uh had a had a really bad day or got a bad phone call and you and you go up they'll be able to tell and then so the sign of a really like a very good comedian is that um even if any something bad has happened whatever it is they don't bring that onto the stage right. if that makes if that makes sense well it's the whole concept of even out anybody's job leave your shit at the door right like you got to get there you got to be professional you got to do your thing and it's right? easy to i think we're just trying to say about so, the audience as far as them being dogs they're, they're, yeah. they're actually smarter they are way smarter than, than what that sounds like because they can see it yeah they you know and i've seen it you've seen it yeah. right in different comedians um you told me uh uh prior to us starting the recording what i think is a funny story uh about your mom so so listen we've talked a little bit about your mom yeah. i don't know your mom i'm hoping to meet your mom because yeah. you said she might be able to volunteer with yeah the, yeah the uh i the told her about you can run. yeah and she was and super excited so i'm excited to meet your mom um but you did tell a good story so maybe just tell that story you know what what did your mom do once? Uh, I was in the funniest person with a day job, which is a competition held at the comic strip. And uh, my mom was in the audience. I didn't know until after the staff told me about it. Uh, there was a table of girls beside her that were talking and she told them to be quiet. And uh, they were like, eh, 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 kept talking. She told them again, be quiet. And uh, they were like, eh. And then the third time they started talking, she threw a candle <laughs> at them and then started like a, 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 a brawl uh, with the table. Cause she threw, she didn't throw it and then go like, now what? Yeah. She like threw it and ran, Got you up, know, yeah, which like, is like the move. That's yeah, how that, you that, that was the it. distraction. The candle was a distraction. Yeah. And then she went, like we said earlier, I'm pretty sure your mom's been in fist fights. Oh, she knew sure. to distract these people. I just love that your mom really is like a hockey mom. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. in Canada, it's a hockey mom and who knows what it is in the States football baseball yeah. but your mom is a comedy mom <laughs> which i love yeah she is really sweet she asked if, if i needed a manager when i first was starting out and i had to like carefully explain to her like i can't have my mom yeah be mom, my agent we can't do that because for sure you're gonna throw shit at people and so fight <laughs> you're gonna fight talking. people that are mean right. to me yeah um Okay, before we wrap this up, I want to say one thing to you. And, and we're going to have some other comedians on here. You mentioned Adam mm -hmm. Blank. Yes. He's going to come on here. Uh, there's a guy named Tim Nutt. Oh, you know Tim? I do know Tim. Yes, he's very, very funny. He's playing our shows in, in March 2023, and he's a good guy. Yeah. Good guy. So he's going to come on. We're going to look at some other stuff. But one thing, and I, and I think I've said this to you before, but I'm going to say it again, is um, when you talk about those three steps – at the comic strip and you think of those things and it it when i talk to my comedian buddy sometimes i'll be honest with you i get frustrated yeah because you guys are so hard on yourselves i don't know if i've met a group of people that are harder on themselves yeah. than my stand-up comedian buddies and no you're not allowed to talk right now i'm going to talk to you because you wanted to talk um here's here's my my take on it and you would have heard this last week when, or maybe, no, you were, you had gone or maybe you, you weren't there. Um, I talked to this entire crowd at the comic strip at the event we were doing. And I said about how special this place is, the comic strip mm -hmm. and how special really comedy clubs are. But in particular for us, because we love the comic strip, the comic strip, because it's a place that is literally built. It is to make some money, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a place that's built to bring people joy and your job that you chose, right? Uh, that you were relentless to become a stand-up comedian and your ups and downs throughout the journey, you're still doing it. You're still going to pursue it. You're still going hard. You're getting better. You're getting a bit bigger. You're getting all these things. It, you have such a purpose in your life because your purpose is to literally bring joy to people. Now, obviously, you bombed a little in the beginning, but that is such an incredible job. I actually believe it's one of the hardest jobs in the world. I can't imagine sitting down there, writing down your thoughts and your jokes and going, now I'm going to stand up in front of a bunch of strangers and try to make them laugh. I think it was so hard. But when it works, it is unbelievable. And I have such admiration for you. I have such admiration for... Um, stand-up comedians, especially the the good people, mm -hmm. the ones that have good hearts, and they're it's not they're not the cutthroat people, yeah. right? 
And I just honestly want to thank you, one, for being on the podcast, two, for doing what you do, because you do bring joy. You bring laughter, which is an incredible thing. Um, people have tragedy in their lives. I've had it. And the thing that helps just get through that is laughter, right? There's scientific proof of it. And you do that, my friend. So I appreciate you, Will Hannigan. I do. So, Will, thank you so much for being on the Relentless Podcast. Uh, you're a great guest. I appreciate your vulnerability, and it was awesome. Now, listen, we're going to end every podcast with uh, uh, an inspirational quote. Yes, I have to put glasses on, Will, because <laughs> I'm not 27. All I'm right. old. And today, this one is from uh, Vince Lombardi. You, you, do you know who Vince Lombardi is? He's got the he's trophy. A foot, he's a football coach. Football yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the only place success comes before work is is in the dictionary. Do you get it? Yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah, so I love that quote because this is all about work. And when I yeah. think of you being a stand-up comedian, when I think of, I think of with you and, and the alcoholism, that's work. Yeah. Like to not do it, it is work. So I like this. I like the idea that if you don't put the work in. Yeah. And just, and any work is good. Any Absolutely. work, any work you're doing. Cause I, the way I look at it, everything, I would, I wouldn't change anything that I did. I have re obviously regrets, but I wouldn't change anything I did. Cause all that was work to get me to where I am now. All the drinking I did was done to get me to not drink. Sure. And now I'm here. Sure. So all the work that you do is, uh, yeah, it leads, it, it leads to success. You just keep, you just keep working. You just, that's And in it. order to be successful. Yeah. In a relentless way, you got to be relentless to get there. You got to not give up. You got to just keep going. If you don't put work in, there's no point. Success is the success is to me. Success is work. So it's the, a byproduct of work. Yeah, right. It's and a byproduct of being relentless, moving forward all the time. Yeah. Where can we find you on your socials? Uh, it's at Willie Hannigan. Uh, w i l l y Hannigan. H a n n i g a n. Uh, was, for, was there another um, Will Hannigan or you just thought Willie was funny? Will Hannigan was taken on oh. Instagram and TikTok and so, uh, sorry, Instagram and Twitter. Twitter. So then that's my Twitter. I think Will Hannigan is on TikTok now and I'm just starting to put up videos, like finally getting to that point where I feel comfortable enough to share my stuff on the internet. Yeah, so yeah. there should be like videos you can watch and, good. and whatnot. So a little good. bit of stand up. And then for us, uh, this Relentless podcast is brought to you right now but you can use services who I work for. Yeah. And so you can check us out at www.youcan.ca and then on all of our socials as well, which if I don't run that, so if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> it's at you can Edmonton. Yeah. Um, check that stuff out too. Will, you're awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen to you in the future. I look forward to seeing you on the, the CTV comedy now specials or whatever. I, we we got to make it happen. Hopefully. We got to make it happen. Hopefully get something. I'm just looking forward to seeing you again. All right. Thanks, brother. Thank we'll you. We'll talk soon. Sounds good.